long service, you were sleeping. Um, <laughs> but we're going to be talking about faith. Um, and we're going to go a little deeper today. We're going to talk about authentic faith. And for those of you who are on Twitter, you got a little spoiler alert where I talked about, gave out a couple of the points. So the, the thought, the question that I want you to think about today is, do you have authentic faith? Do you know what it means to have authentic faith? And do you know what it means to live with authentic faith? Today, I want to share with you two things that authentic faith is going to do when we're courageous enough to pursue it. But before we get into all that, I just want to start out with prayer. Father God, I thank you for today. And, and again, just the opportunity we have to, to freely come and, and worship and give and hear your word. Lord, as we talk about faith, it's, it's one of those things that sometimes gets misunderstood between Christians and the world. And I pray that we can put a good thought process to it and a good definition. And more than that, we can leave here putting faith into action. So I pray that, that you'll just clear us out of, of anything that may keep us from focusing on you right now. Uh, maybe what we have to do tomorrow or what we did yesterday or what we're going to do this afternoon. And just help us to focus on your word and on the moment that we're spending with you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, faith is sometimes one of the hardest things, in my opinion, to understand about being a Christian. And, and, and it's also one of the more difficult things sometimes to explain to someone who is new to all this Jesus stuff. Because we, we try to explain faith, and mainly we use all these churchy religious words to define it, because that's what we know. And so we define faith like this. We like to say to people, faith is easy to understand. Clearly, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1, assuming they know all of that, we say faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. There, it's simple. And you have people who have never heard of faith or maybe Jesus going, that's not so simple. You see, I also like what Stuart Hall says about faith. He says, faith is believing that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. So it's a lot less churchy, <laughs> but it's there. Simply put, faith is trusting God even when it's not easy, even when it doesn't make sense to us. Hmm. Trusting God when it's not easy. Trusting God even when it doesn't make sense. Have you ever trusted God when life wasn't easy? Have you ever trusted Him during a time in your life where the things going on around you or, or to you just didn't make sense? You know, that reminds me of a story. Miss Lillian, why don't you come up and tell it? See, you got tricked you. You thought I was going to tell a story. Lillian Cook, everyone, don't read my notes. Yeah. Thinking about things I've gone through where it required faith, quite a few things come to mind. But there's one in particular that sort of emphasizes Ephesians 3.20, which says God can do immeasurably more than we even ask or imagine. It was November 1995. I was living in Beaver Creek, Ohio, and I had moved a couple of months earlier from Montgomery, Alabama. When I left Montgomery, I didn't sell my house because my daughter was going to stay there, find a roommate, and pay the mortgage. Never happened. <laughs> so I was paying a mortgage in Montgomery and renting a condo in Beaver Creek. Well, the weatherman had predicted snow for Saturday in Ohio. Well, being from L.A., lower Alabama, we rarely saw snow, and when we did, we just shut everything down, 
waited for the snow to melt the next day or the day after, and those of us who had a brain didn't drive when there was snow on the ground. Okay, so snow is expected, and I panicked a little. So that Friday at work, I sat down at lunchtime, and I typed out my menu for the entire weekend. When work was over, I went by the grocery store, I picked up the things on my list, filled my, my car with gas, and headed home. I was prepared to stay in all weekend. Wasn't going anywhere, because I was good. Put the groceries away, sat down to balance my checkbook. And yes, boys and girls, in the 90s, we actually wrote checks. <laughs> I had less than $20 left in my account, and it was a week till payday. I talked to God the way I talked to you, and so I said, okay, God, the pantry's okay, the refrigerator's okay, the car is filled with gas, I can take my lunch to work every day next week. Together, you and I can make it on $20 a week. I have faith that this is going to happen. So I happily went about doing what I was going to do. It was less than two hours later my daughter called. Hey, Mom, were you expecting a check from the mortgage company? I said, no, I wasn't. Why? She said, well, somebody filed a class action lawsuit, and I've got a check here for you. I said, how much is it? It was a couple of hundred dollars. So she said, you want me to mail it to you or deposit it? So I said, okay, deposit it in my account. She said, okay. Well, we kept talking, and when I hung up, I went, okay, God. You know, I had faith that you and I could make it off $20 a week. But if you want to pad it with another couple hundred dollars, <laughs> that's okay with me. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Lillian. You see, faith isn't just important. It's critical. Faith is the, the critical foundational element in the process of spiritual renewal and growth. That's from uh, Mr. Stanley and Stuart Hall, a book called The Seven Checkpoints. Faith is the critical foundational element in the process of spiritual renewal and growth. You see, the problem is that as Christians, many times we're operating on what I call circumstantial faith. And you may be thinking, what's circumstantial faith? And hold on, you said you were going to talk about authentic faith. Well, circumstantial faith is kind of like the opposite of authentic faith. Let me explain. It's based on the circumstances around us. It, it's based on, on the things that are happening at the moment. What is happening now? How I feel determines what I believe for now. Circumstantial faith says things like cancer always wins. Most marriages end in divorce. Bankruptcy is the only option. Rebellious teens don't change. Y'all better. Oh, sorry. <laughs> They're like, we're never sitting up here again. <laughs> Rebellious teens don't change or the fish just aren't biting. But authentic faith disagrees with those statements. And thousands more just like them. With, with circumstantial faith, we conform our faith to our circumstances instead of conforming our circumstances to our faith. Like Miss Lillian's story. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11 says this. And I'm going to read this to you. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. We're talking about Jesus. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. 
Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with them were astonished at the catch of fish they had just taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. The first thing authentic faith does is it gets us out of the driver's seat. You can write that down. Authentic faith gets us out of the driver's seat. You see, the problem is we like to be in control. We like to be in charge. We like to to set our own destinies, so to speak. I love movies. I love action movies. The problem is action, action movies aren't theologically correct. Because almost in every action movie, the hero always does something like this. He always says something like, I control my fate. Or, I choose my destiny. No man chooses my destiny but me. Those kinds of things. Our destiny is in our own hands. But authentic faith causes us to give up that control. Just like the fisherman named Peter. Think about this. This is how I processed everything I just read. Peter was a sailor. He was a man of the sea. He was a man's man. He lived and died. But he would live and die by his trade, fishing. He reminds me of like the, the East Coast Union dock worker, probably an Eagles fan, you know. Um, <laughs> little NFL shout out there. <laughs> getting ready. You know, it's, it's the end of the night. He's getting ready to go home. And this guy, Jesus, gets in his boat and starts to teach. They, they go out a little bit. Jesus uses the water as kind of a, an amplifier of his voice. And, and he, he, he preaches and he teaches. And then he says to him, he says, let's go out a little further. And Jesus tells him, put his nets back in the water. And Peter didn't want to. He just, he's like, I just washed them. I just maybe mended them up. I just put them away. I had a long, bad night of fishing. And for Peter, that was one and the same. That whole bad night of fishing is better than a good day of work. It didn't work for him because it was it's what he did. He was looking forward to going home and resting. But he does what Jesus says to do, even though it didn't make sense to him. I like what Jesus said. He said, put out in deeper water for the catch. Jesus already told him what was going to happen. Peter still was, ah, I didn't want to. But he did. And it didn't make sense to him. But he did it. And, and even though he was looking forward to something else, he looked up at Jesus. He said, Master, because you say so, I will. I really don't want to, but, you know, Jesus, take the wheel kind of thing. It's not blind faith. Not at all. It's authentic faith. Because what you need to know about Peter is he was Jewish. He grew up hearing about this Messiah, looking for him, waiting for him. He wasn't closed-minded like some of the religious leaders of that time. He just, he listened, and at this moment, he just listened to Jesus preach and teach. And I love it because he calls him master. And by him calling Jesus master, it's Peter saying, I believe you are who you say you are. So I will do what you say. You're, what I, I will do what you say because you're in control. And it's, it's, it's ironic, but it's exactly what Jesus did by submitting himself to the will of the Father when he came to earth. I'm going to look at some verses. Philippians 2, 4 through 8. It says this, 
Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus laid aside the independent exercise of his divine attributes. The creator of the universe became subject to his creation. Uh, There's a worship band called Worth Dying For. And they have a song called Destroy is the title of the song. It's one of my favorite songs, if you will. And, And in that song, they say it like this. He slipped out of his royal garments, left eternity to enter time, divinity to wrap himself in humanity. He left peace and for the first time felt pain. Because the very hands that held the stars were now sentenced to wear my scars. You see, Jesus did what he needed to do. He came to earth. He had to eat. He had to sleep. He felt pain. He felt emotions. He became mortal. He submitted his will to the will of the Father. We're going to look at some more verses that are going to show us uh, what authentic faith is. So we're going to continue in John chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. John 6, 38 says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 7, 16 says, So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but, him who, but is, is his who sent me. Luke 24, 42 Father, Jesus saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Matthew 24, verse 36. No one knows the day and hour, but concerning that day and hour, talking about when Christ returns, concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. Hebrews 5, 7 through 8. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here we are. Peter catches all these fish, and he's at, he's at the feet of this Jesus that I just described and all those things. And his response to Jesus after he caught all the fish, Luke 5, 8 again, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He realized that he was no longer in the driver's seat. He realized at that moment, Jesus was who he said he was. That all the things he'd heard about Jesus as as a young boy growing up, the prophecies, that all these things were beginning to come true. And he realized he was no longer in the driver's seat. Who's in your driver's seat right now? Is Jesus Lord of your life? If he is, are you allowing him to do the driving of your life, so to speak? Or do you continually put him in the passenger seat? (laughs) Scoot over for a minute. Or worse yet, do you put him in the back seat of your life? You see, authentic faith gets us out of the driver's seat. We don't really belong there anyways because the truth is we don't know the way by ourselves. 
Is Jesus the Lord of your life? If not, why not? What are you waiting for? I, I know how this goes. You go through life trying to make something out of yourself and, and you never quite get there. If, if you've heard anything that I've said so far today, you've heard enough to come forward and make Jesus the Lord of your life. To walk forward right now. But here's the thing. In my opinion, a lot of people say, well, it's, there's all those people staring back at me. It's uncomfortable walking up there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's really uncomfortable when they fall asleep when you're up here. Okay? <laughs> but here's the thing. I, I want to challenge you to know this. If you can't walk forward in a room full of others who are here to worship and follow Jesus and ask for prayer or ask for repentance or ask for accountability or ask for forgiveness or ask for, for new life in making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I believe, this is not biblical, this is just from my Fat Rock's mind right here. If you can't walk up in this room and say, I, I need you to pray for me or I want to become a Christian, you're not going to walk out and go up to a perfect stranger who doesn't know Jesus Christ and have the courage to share Jesus with him. That's just my thought. You may disagree. That's okay. I still think I'm right. <laughs> and the reason I think I'm right is because authentic faith gets us out of our comfort zones. Okay? It gets us out of the driver's seat because we need to give more over to God anyways. And it gets us out of our comfort zone. Jesus says to Peter, from now on, you will catch men. You will be a fisher of men. Peter, leave everything you know. Follow me. Leave your business. All right. He wasn't just a fisherman for recreational things. It was his job. People in town depended on what he was going to catch because maybe they were farmers or whatever, and they were going to trade for some fish. So it wasn't like he's just going to walk away from a hobby, okay? People relied on him to fish so that he could sell the fish in the market. His wife, his family relied on him to support them. And now here's this Jesus who just blessed him with the biggest catch of his life. And he says, hey, walk away from this. <laughs> I just gave you abundance. <laughs> walk away from it. Leave your community, everything you know, and come with me. Peter's faith got him out of the driver's seat. And it definitely took him out of his comfort zone. He left a simple, peaceful life to travel the world. He left what I would consider a successful fishing business. Uh, one bad night doesn't make you an unsuccessful fisherman, by the way. Uh, what I would consider a successful fishing business to basically live out life as a poor man. Uh, worse yet, to eventually die over a thousand miles away from his home. And he did that for Jesus. You see, Jesus left the comforts of heaven to live a life of sorrows, to be misunderstood, to be betrayed by his friends, falsely accused, to never have a family, to be homeless, to be poor, to die a brutal, lonely death on a cross for us. Yeah, authentic faith takes us out of our comfort zone. Authentic faith takes us out of the driver's seat of our lives. I often say to people, if you think living a Christian life is uncomfortable, sometimes... Maybe you should try hanging on a cross. And then they cringe. That's heartless. No, it's true. I guarantee it wasn't all that comfortable. But he did it. And he did it for us. Jesus Christ, who was God, left all those things because he knew the plan. I know you're thinking, but, but that was Jesus. He knew what was coming. Uh, when he was coming to earth, he knew what he was doing. He's the son of God. I'm just the son of Bob and Sue. There's nothing special about me. 
But let me remind you of some other simple people who allowed God to take them out of the driver's seat and take them out of their comfort zone. Hebrews 11, 32 through 38 says this, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All those people and others like them who, through faith, got out of the driver's seat. And when they did, God brought them out of their comfort zone. It's an interesting concept. Amazing things happened for the kingdom of God when those people did those things. Yeah, they all died. Some better than others. Some died of old age and some by the hand of others and tortured. But they lived each day like they could die tomorrow. And they all died knowing they would live forever. How about you? Are you going to live and die? Yeah. But are you going to cower through life and hope being good enough will get you into heaven? Or are you going to focus on getting to heaven and taking as many people with you as you can? You see, the days for us are feeble. And the days of, of weak and feeble faith for us need to be over. It's time for us to get out of the driver's seat It's time for us to get out of our comfort zones. It's it's time for us to follow the King of Kings, no matter where He's going to take us, whether it's across the street or across the country or across the world. It's time to stop serving the world and start serving God. I want you to understand something with authentic faith. It doesn't mean that you have everything covered. It doesn't mean you have all the answers. And it doesn't mean that you can't ask questions of God along the way. Okay? Again, I use Peter in the beginning as an example because as he went through this process with Jesus, he asked many questions. Some were good questions. Some were less than good questions. And you read them and you go, oh, Peter, why would you say that? Authentic faith means that when you ask questions and you get the answer, you live by the answer regardless of what anyone else around you is going to live by. That's what authentic faith is. It's not perfection. I want you to understand that. It doesn't mean having authentic faith doesn't mean you're not going to stumble and you're not going to falter along the way. But it means that you're ready. You're ready to live your life with authentic faith. And that's my question for you. Are you ready? Are you ready to start living with authentic faith? Are you ready to get out of the driver's seat? Are you ready to get out of your comfort zone? If you answer yes to any of those questions, God is going to just rock your world. And I hope you do. I hope you answer yes to the question, are you ready to live your life with authentic faith? I hope you answer yes to the question, are you ready to get out of the driver's seat? 
I hope you answer yes to the question, are you ready to get out of your comfort zone? And if you did, I want to challenge you to come forward. We'll pray with you. We'll encourage you. We'll set you up with accountability. We'll do what we can do on our end. But you've got to be willing to do what God's called you to do. And that's to live a life of authentic faith. And you can only do that by trusting Him and following Him. All the definitions and all the churchy words don't mean anything. Because when it comes down to it, it's are you willing to step out of your comfort zone? Are you willing to let God take control? Step out of the driver's seat. Follow Him with authentic faith. As we stand and sing our decision song, I want you to think about that. And if that's your decision today, that you just want to start today with authentic faith, you may not know exactly what that's going to be, but, but we'll get there. It starts with a desire to do it. And that's been my prayer all week. Will you sing with us?